<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The Incomparable. Number 696. December 2023. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell. It's a new year. We're looking back at the old year. We're going to talk about things we liked from 2023. That's the premise here. And then at the end, some listeners have sent in some of their favorite moments of 2023. And I'll play a few clips. Then we're done. We're going to keep it real simple this year or last year or whatever year this is. Anyway, let me introduce these wonderful panelists in the order they will tell us things they liked from last year, as selected by random.org. Random.org. Random. We bring random. the random to you. All right, okay. Yeah. yeah, yes, we brought it to you, blah, blah. Yes. Uh, indeed, random.org. And uh, here they are. And these these are selected from our uh, our top 12, I think, panelists of, of uh, the past year. Here they are. Moises Chuyon. In, again, in random order, Moises Chuyon. Hello. Hi. Oh, good. I'm first. I... Yeah. I was I was completely ready, and this will go very well. Excellent. Well, you've got the rest of the introduction to prepare. Chip Sutterth is also here. Hi, Chip. Hi, Jason. Hi. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I sensed a, I sensed a need for efficiency this time around, well, so I just okay. wanted to say hi. All right, that's great. Uh, Monty Ashley is also here. Monty, hello. Hi, Jason. Um, what year is this about? 2023 <laughs> oh god but your personal 2023 so if you discovered something from 1964 that you thought was awesome in 2023 that's fine, fine. or or say 1967 uh, strangely specific but yes yeah and so let me introduce dan <laughs> morin sup <laughs> hey <laughs> yo How's it going? It's going all right. Uh, I don't know why 1967 has anything to do with me, but sure. Yeah, let's do that. Nope. <laughs> Shelly Brisbane's also here. Hi, Shelly. Uh, hi. Hi. You have a 2023-related catchphrase? No, what not anymore. What about the Riz I, I hear did so have... much about? The Riz. I hear about that. <laughs> That's a word. We forgot to activate the Riz for ourselves definite, this year. Definite Riz. Uh, definite Yacht? Yeah. Ahmed? Annette Weirstra, also here. Hi, Annette. Hey, I'm really excited to be on my first best of episode. Welcome, welcome. I've locked it down for you. I've I've got I kicked the, I kicked awesome. the, the bums out trying to clean up this place. Let me in instead. I feel yeah. honored. Yeah, just trying to class it up. 
Technically, Steve was invited. He just isn't here. And uh, you heard him already because he can't stop himself because of 1967. It's David J. Lore. I I like all y'all and I love our listeners. Mm-hmm. All right. And that's it. And then I will tell you some things that I liked after David. And that's our list. So let us begin our celebration of things that we liked from 2023. That simple. Things we liked. Asked everybody to do two or three things that they liked. Let's start with Moises. All right. Um, so so I'm going to do these. And then uh, you'd also mentioned that we could mention, like, if we had maybe a favorite episode, just I, dash it off. I, I, not... I, I didn't actually, I think, say that. No. But but uh, you can just blurt it out at the end as <laughs> yeah. you yield right, the rest cool. of your time to me. <laughs> um, and I'll just remind everybody out there listening, if you forgot, last year, Moises chose oh, all good. of soccer. Yeah. So and, I've and, still and got all that. Honestly, this year you lived by it. So what do you have yeah. for this year? <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm going to go in a very uh, different direction, um, though, uh, to to a place that loves soccer and, in fact, is where the term soccer came from, and that's the United Kingdom. Mm. Um, I have become very fond of a show from the BBC, uh, and that's that's BBC One, the one BBC. Uh, the one to, and only. Uh, to Jason. The, the only one BBC only. there is. The only one there is. Um, there's, there's a lot of reality television out there. Um, and there's, there's, there's been reality television that has tried to take a genre bent. Um, and I'm just going for regular old genre, uh, uh, that, that you can watch with anybody age seven to 70. Um, and that is a show that's been running for 12 seasons now called the repair shop. Um, it has a relatively simple premise in that people bring busted stuff to them that means something to them uh and the people at the repair shop fix it uh and the people at the repair shop are uh among the the leading furniture and clock and soft toy restoration experts across great britain um and there's generally a lot of crying and a lot of sentiment and a lot of good feelings and um you know sometimes uh jason i just want to watch a third generation horologist wash clock parts. I get Sometimes it. that's, that's just what I want. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, they, they had a special, uh, where they were visited by the then Prince now King Charles. Um, and so the, the King had them do some, some fix up work for him on the cheap, presumably. Um, sure. I mean, he's in, technically, mm-hmm. you know, he's, yeah, he, he likes to save a buck. Um, but yeah, uh, any place that has a horologist, a ceramicist, um, a, a couple of blacksmiths, um, people who you can bring a toy from the 1800s or a weather vane that has been crumbling atop a church, um, and, uh, and watch them, uh, r- receive it back from being sandblasted or to apply gold leaf to it or, uh, to restuff it or to restore it in just a way that evokes the way that they remember it, having in- inherited it from, their auntie or their great grandfather or something like that. Um, just a, just a lovely, gentle bit of TV. Love it. Um, in a, in a far less gentle context, um, I wanted to try to pick, uh, you know, one of a, a few different kinds of things. Um, uh, on the movie side of things, I recently went and saw the box office sensation, the one and only <clears throat> uh, diva of the screen, Godzilla in Godzilla minus one, um, which, uh, is its own take on the Godzilla mythos. It's not a continuation. It's not, 
Uh, it's not a, oh, uh, this, but also everything that happened in the original movies or this, but what happened in Shin Godzilla. It is its own take that, uh, that picks up in the years following World War II and does an incredible job of, of looking at um, the people who made it out the other side of the war and survived um, without some of the, I mean, as much as I love the original, there is some of that, you know, oh, uh, isn't it noble to die for your country kind of sentiment, um, which in the decades since World War II, um, Japanese culture has, has, has definitely moved away from. Um, and I really appreciated caring a lot more about the human beings than the monster as much as I love the monster. Um, it, it is, it is supposed to be a force of destruction. Um, and there, you know, there are lessons to be learned. There are, um, there are, you know, moral truths revealed and everything. Um, there are a couple things that troubled me as I was watching the movie, uh, but to not spoil anything for anybody. Um, I, I was very satisfied with the way that things resolved. Yeah, uh, really and I hope, yeah, yeah, I, I hope to, I, I hope to see more from this, uh, particular take on the Godzilla world as much as the legendary monster verse that they're doing with Monarch and all that kind of stuff is, is interesting and fun and fine. Um, I, I think, uh, going back to the, the literal well that this character came from is, is, um, is, is something that I definitely want to see more of, uh, more gonna, than God's. I'm going to put that yeah. on my 2024 possible incomparable episodes list. Oh man. It's it, that so could be good. Good. It's yeah, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Monty, if you had anything to add, I, I, I would be, uh, remiss if I didn't, uh, oh, yeah. uh ask you, you to say on? something more interesting or articulate than I do. Um, it is a Godzilla movie about post-war trauma mm -hmm. more than about guys in rubber suits punching each other in the face, <laughs> which I like in a Godzilla movie, but it also has a guy in a rubber suit absolutely wrecking a city. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all of the things that I like about Godzilla without any of the Godzuki. <laughs> All right. Um, so Although my, at the beginning I yeah. thought it was Godzuki for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't 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 turn it off because you think Godzuki has appeared. Just <laughs> just stick with it. Um, and then uh, for my third pick uh, for a video game, uh, I, I I joined the the world of PS5 within the last year, um, and one of the first things that uh, that I did um, upon getting my PS5 was play the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order, Jedi Survivor, uh, which came out this year. Um, the, uh, the, the Star Wars Jedi games, um, boy, that nomenclature is awkward, um, follow a, uh, a, a guy named Cal Kestis who was just a kid when Order 66 happened. Spoiler alert, uh, Emperor Palpatine killed a bunch of Jedi. Um, it it uh, it is these two games represent one of my favorite extensions of Star Wars media since the original movies. Um, it, it is it is the kind of you are the protagonist uh, sort of story that is incredibly engaging, and this sequel had a lot to live up to. Um, where you you had uh, you know vestiges of prequel era and Clone Wars stuff mixed into the first one. This one takes place five years after that one, um, and 
and the the Imperials are um, are are tightening their grip and uh, becoming even more firmly established in the in the wake of the fall of the Republic. Um, you get to do a bunch of cool stuff, and there are a bunch of great uh, appearances from things that that uh, that people love, regardless of whether they identify themselves as original trilogy only types, um, whether they have you know favorite kinds of um, and, uh, droids and uh, side characters and that sort of thing. Um, you know, there, there's a full on cantina in this in this one um, that becomes a bit of a hub that you keep coming back to. Um, it's real cool and you get to do a bunch of really fun stuff with the lightsaber and force powers. Um, and, uh, and for folks who are maybe just getting a PS five in their house, um, I, I recommend both games, frankly. Um, I, I don't think you would just pick up survivor without having played fallen order. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love it very, very much. Uh, and, uh, I hope Dan has had some opportunity to even consider playing survivor, but he's been a little busy. Uh, I, I gather. I did play it. I beat it. It's good. All right. There you Thumbs go. Up. Oh, uh, I, I did have a, a quick... Uh, Is um, this your blurt? Uh, it, it's, it's my blurt. Um, okay. Blurt uh, one of my fa- One of my favorite things is that we covered a bunch of superhero stuff this year um, in, in I, I guess, like a weird combination of stuff. There was Superman, there was Spider-Verse, there was Marvel, you know, various Marvel things. But I love that early in the year, uh, we did uh, episode 651, Breakfast Club for Superheroes, and covered Sky High. Sky High! Yeah, where, you know, like like Megamind, we're kind of touching on some of this neat stuff that you know we didn't cover when it was brand brand new, um, but is interesting in context as compared to other stuff. Um, and as my as my Steve Lutz memorial uh, thing, because Jason loves hearing Steve say the titles of things. I just think Steve would have enjoyed the fact that we had an episode called MacGuffins and Mecha- and Mechanics right before one called Friendship and Cinnamon Rolls, mm-hmm. and then later we had one called Fleshy and Gross. So we had we had three different titles that were that were compound constructs, and I just yes. I just think Steve would have thought that. And was you're right. right. Steve's voice lives in my head every time an episode title is written. It's just the truth. <laughs> That's just how it is. I, I picture what would Steve J- J- say. Jason, I have a question for you though. Yes. So we finished seven seasons of Buffy over the course of seven years. We did. What's the next show that we're going to do over the course of almost a decade? I haven't decided yet. I I, I have some thoughts. I have some some various vague thoughts, but I have not committed to it yet. Um, because it requires us to watch it again, right? And so it's like, well, do I like it enough to put in all that homework time? Well, well, I'm I'm thinking, I'm thinking. About so Gunsmoke, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh huh, exactly. It sounds sounds good. The Simpsons, uh, season by season. <laughs> oh boy, um, we'll be here forever. Okay, thank you, Moises. Uh, Moises chose Godzilla minus one, Star Wars Jedi colon Survivor, and of course, all of Repair. Oh no! Uh, I mean no, the repair no, shop. No, just the repair shop. Just Not the, the concept of repair. Don't get it, Don't get it goodness. twisted. Whew. Thank goodness. All right. Because if you get it twisted, it'll have to be repaired somehow. Yeah. yeah. The Moises owns that. Oh so, no. You know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Will we the video assistant like referee. Medical procedures technically repairs. I don't know. I don't want to even get oh, no. into it. Thank you, Moises. Chip, it is your turn to tell us things you liked. Dang. Things I liked. Things you liked. Things I liked. Um. Well, one of the things I liked was all of y'all because. Oh. Uh, the crew the the crew of the good ship incomparable have been very supportive to me as i made a big career change this year i'm striking off on my own like uh many of the folks on this panel and as i was gearing up to do that uh taking advantage of uh one last uh one last hit of salary i went to broadway 
And so I'm not picking all of Broadway, but um, right. I did. This was the year that I really did fall in love with um, um, Broadway and off Broadway theater in, in kind of a big way by seeing stuff that was recognized uh, but wasn't a big property. You know, it didn't have a Disney name on it. Um, so in 2023, I saw um, the A Strange Loop by Michael Michael R. Jackson. On closing night, I saw uh, Fat Ham, uh, which is a, a, a terrific uh, sort of Hamlet parody kind of thing by James Imes. And I saw Anthony Rapp's uh, One Man Show, uh, Without You. Uh, so 2023 was a big theater year, and um, I'm hopeful that uh, after that big splash that I'll be able to uh, get back there. So 2023, um, uh, New York theater, loved it. Um, a little closer to home, uh, I, I, I have to be me, and I have to say, the Doctor Who specials. Um, oh yeah um, number two yeah so if you uh if you haven't seen doctor who um now is the time to jump in on disney plus if you have seen and loved doctor who but fell away from it now is the time to come back and if you didn't like uh, if you if you saw doctor who and didn't like the direction it had turned in and have and, and are afraid to come back because a thing you loved you don't love anymore it's okay it is safe and if you loved the rtd years or if you hated the rtd years you are exactly getting that but more with a d with a disney budget and a uh, showrunner who has absolutely nothing to prove and is at the top of his game. So this is absolutely um, the year for Doctor Who. And um, those those three um, those three specials with David Tennant and Catherine Tate are an absolute jumping on point, um, whether it's jumping on or jumping back on. Well, I'll co-sign that. Absolutely. Um, good stuff. And rem- rem- yeah. New and also uh, nostalgic and kicking them into their new era. Very nice. Yeah. And uh, one last thing that I want to mention, um, it's uh, it's not quite 2023, but I started picking them up in 2023. I have been on a bit of a decluttering kick, but every once in a while you see some things and you get one and then you have to get one more and then you have to get one more. Um and uh dan may appreciate this in particular i have started collecting not as selectively as i probably should be uh the neca gargoyles action figures <laughs> that have been coming out since uh early 2022 or so and somehow one has become four and there's going to be more uh, Gargoyles was a fantastic um, Disney afternoon adventure series. It was co-term. It, it was it was uh, part of the uh, same time uh, that Batman the animated series was on. We've done uh, one or two podcasts about uh, Gargoyles on the network. Um, adult storytelling, loads of fun. These action figures are incredible. They are very, very good um, uh, textured representations of these uh, animated figures. 
and they they look great. They're extremely poseable. They are, um, you know, they're they're like the best forty uh, uh, something, fifty something collector, you know, uh, action figures, uh, aka statues, uh, kinds of things. And they're they're. I also have to give them absolute credit for deviousness in fostering a collector's urge because these are big action figures with big wings and um they're sometimes a little hard to pose but some of the other action figures in the line come with folded wings for some of the other characters so if you want to get goliath's uh wings folded and make him easier to pose you have to get bronks and if you want Demona's folded wings, you have to get Xanatos. So I'm just in wow. awe of the absolute raw uh, naked capitalism at play <laughs> here. But I love these characters and I love these figures. So uh, the NECA Gargoyles action figures that's in 2023, a, they became a problem for me. <laughs> that's that's kind of, there, There's a new line of Batman the Animated Series figures where if you get Batman, Robin, Scarecrow, and Mr. Freeze, you have the components to assemble a condiment king figure um I, I love the way they get you like that because it's wow. it's always neat stuff chip can i ask you uh, it sounds really cool but how does it compare to a toy of uh, a monster cereal mascot specifically boo bear I, I have no idea why you'd ask me that question boys ass <laughs> he's uh, he's moved on to gargoyles now i don't know what you're okay. talking about excellent wow good choice wow. Chip. good good Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right. Thank you, Chip. Monty, what did you like in 2023? What did I like? What? That's an oh, excellent your, question, Jason. Search your thoughts. <laughs> Consider your feelings. My feelings are this. Um, people are kind of mad at Taika Waititi lately. They're kind of tired of his whole deal. Um, I liked Taika Waititi's television shows very much. Uh, yeah. Let's break them down. Yes, uh, let's. What mm -hmm. We Do in the Shadows. Now, he created the movie. He apparently did nothing on the TV show, leaving it all to Jermaine, and then... Jermaine stopped, and now it's whoever works on it. It's Paul Sims but, and a couple other people. Paul Sims from yeah. News Radio and a couple other people. Oh, yeah, great. And and Flight of the Concords. Yeah, I'm going to get to Flight of the Concords. Thank you. This is <laughs> oh, the first. first Paul Sims was on that too. Oh, I see. Right. Carry yeah. on. Yeah. All right. Uh, um. So, uh, what we do in the shadows? Great television show. Taika created it. Stepped away. Might be the good call. Another show that he created and stepped away from, Reservation Dogs. Yes. <laughs> Reservation Dogs is better than The Wire. Reservation Dogs <laughs> is an excellent television show that takes uh, the lives of these uh, kids in Oklahoma mm -hmm. living on a reservation mm -hmm. and uh, makes it magical. Reservation Dogs is a great, great television show. And again, 
Taika Waititi right there at the beginning. He wrote the pilot and then apparently stepped away so that the actual American indigenous people could work on it. Yes. Great call. Great television show. I um, believe it was one of your choices last year. Could have been. And I want to thank you because that combined with um, uh, my wife also said we got to watch it. And she had watched them by herself. And she said, you know what? I loved it so much. I'll just watch it again. And so we watched it all because the third and final season was this year. And I I remember thinking also, hey, that was one of Monty's picks. Monty was right. So yes, Yay. you are right. And cosine reservation dogs. So good. So good. Nice. Uh, also, our flag means death. Mm-hmm. I think he's not writing this one, but he is starring in it and he did co-create it. And also, I went back and watched some uh, Flight of the Concords, a show I really liked when it was on. I still like it. I think Taika Waititi is excellent on television more than he is on movies. Uh, remember The Mandalorian? Mm-hmm. He was a robot on The Mandalorian. Yeah. Pretty good robot, too. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Taika Waititi's television work is one thing that I liked this year. Something else I liked this year uh, appears to have come out in 1623. That's right. the... Uh, First folio of Shakespeare. So, as of course everyone knows. If you haven't read it, it's new to you, right? I mean, that's fine. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Three months ago, I started reading an act of Shakespeare every day. Not just a random act. Like, I'll go through a play and then go through another play. It's not like, "Ah, I feel like Hamlet Act 4 today. See see what's going on. See what happens. Yeah. Um, It's great. I'm really enjoying it. This guy. He's a good writer, and I'm actually picking up some English history, too. Uh, Probably not totally accurate English history, but at least I'm getting the basics of, you know, why Henry V thinks he owns France, and why the French keep thinking they own England, and why they keep fighting wars, and, you know, who Hotspur is. Basically, uh, Shakespeare. I'm enjoying it a lot. Mm-hmm. I even got a replica first folio that's on my uh, dresser right now, open to whatever play I'm currently reading. Nice. It feels very pretentious to say out loud, but I really am enjoying <laughs> it a lot. When you said you got your hands on a replica, I was thinking, oh man, is Monty going to talk about Shakespeare-based action figures? <laughs> Maybe next year. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they exist, but they're going to be... Uh, really crappy plastic probably yeah. probably it's too bad they're the ones that make the librarian uh action figure right. the first folio spellings totally great totally great added added uh, consonants and vowels where you don't expect them it's so why fun. not well because i'm reading shakespeare i'm also reading about the first folio because it came out 400 years ago yeah pretty much this week like they were still compositing it up through November. So I figured December is when it went on sale. Oh, yes. And apparently there are five different compositors that people have located in it because some people like spell do do, but some people spell it D O E. Um, the amount of meaningless archival research people have done on every aspect of Shakespeare is very funny to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a whole thing. Yeah, 400 years ago. That's great. Like, you got to love the staying power. 400 years. Still yeah. got it. Still got it. He does. He does. And what's great is now I can watch a Shakespeare play whenever I want to. So I can, like, read it and, like, 
oh, that was fun. Oh, Baz Luhrmann made a movie of this. Mm -hmm. Let's watch that now. Why not? That's a Romeo and Juliet. Weird movie. And uh, finally, uh, it looks like I saw Babylon January 1st this year, so I'm counting it, and I don't care if I counted it last year. Babylon! Great movie! Babylon! All right. It's yours. It's just not a draft. I don't even know. I'm just I'm just telling you you can you can hold on to it. Hold on tight. Um thank you Monty. I appreciate Babylon. it. We we pre-record this uh, as you might have guessed in December. So uh Monty hadn't seen Babylon in last but, year's but, episode. But only 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 December 31st, just right right before the right, beginning of the Yeah, year, right Jason. Don't on break the, the magic. Edge. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the so illusion. When, the illusion. Monty said that that was 400 years ago this week. He he meant last month obviously in december anyway thank you sure. monty dan morin what did you like in 2023 the the year oh. the, the past last year last year 2023 <laughs> right because now happy new year it's 2024 especially talk about things you liked in the last two weeks of last year mm. <laughs> oh man those are the best <laughs> i barely remember them i have to cast my mind far back to a bygone era things were different then Twitter was a mess. Wait, nope, still happening. Um, all right. What did I like in 2023? Well, um, let's start with a TV show. Uh, a TV show that I started watching the year it came out, which I think was 2021. And we got two episodes in, and then we stopped watching it, and a lot of stuff happened. And then eventually this year, we decided, you know what? We should start watching that show again. And then we watched all of the first season of that show, and then the entire second season of that show. And that show is Foundation, a show that I was not yes. really sure whether or not I liked. And boy, when I came back to it, uh, it really it went down easy. I read the Foundation books when I was in, I don't know, junior high school, maybe. And I don't really remember them super fondly. <laughs> um, the first book is really boring. The second book gets better. Um, but I think they did an admirable job um, of turning this into something not only like a sensible plot with good characters, but also a show that looks amazing. It is one of the best looking shows on television. And just the expansiveness of the space opera really comes across here. Uh, There are some fantastic performances anchoring it from um, Lee Pace and Jared Harris uh, to, um, oh, now I've blanked on the the woman who plays Salvor Hardin, who I think is also tremendous. Um, And Leah something uh leah harvey Harvey. right leah harvey yeah she she is also fantastic she does a great job um the i know a lot of people they say like the second season that show like sort of you know uh, it does pick up pace wise i think the first season is also still pretty good it is a different type of show and it's got kind of a slower burn to it but watched in a binge it was still incredibly effective um so i really really like that it it is not the the books but that's totally fine it's a tv show it's a totally different medium they adapt it that's that's the point um so i also particularly want to say throw in here sort of as an adjunct pink pick to this that i also started listening to the foundation podcast uh that apple tv plus puts out as a companion which involves uh, interviews basically David Goyer, who is one of the producers uh, and the showrunner, talking uh, about it with various guests um, from the show, including actors or people on, like, I think they have the VFX supervisor on, the costume designer, all that. Like, it's really fun, honestly. I don't usually listen to like official podcasts because sometimes I feel like they're very markety, but 
Um, David Goyer has some, you know, he's been working in this business for a long time. I really appreciated like listening to the way he broke things down and talked about how they did stuff. And then just some of the production details are hilarious and fascinating because they tell the stories about like, oh, yeah, the day we shot that and we, you know, almost drowned Jared Harris. It was really fun. Um, <laughs> so uh, I highly recommend that if you like the show. Yeah. Uh, it is it added a bunch of interesting details. Yeah, co-signing on that one, Dan. That was... uh. Uh, season, I, I watched season one and every, people were hating on it and I was like I thought it was fine season two I think is is way more than fine I think I think it's yeah it really accelerates really excellent yeah it's it's yeah you finish an episode and we'd be like next we one we start the next, next one. one we could yeah. start it we might have finished it we could start it yeah, um, you guys so. are really selling me on it I, I gotta it's good. say it's yeah, good I, I dropped I dropped off with it and, and the enthusiasm Dan and others have had for it is has gotten me to put it back into my rotation. I think I'm just going to start again from the beginning properly. Um, but yeah, I just, I hit a lull in, in the middle of the first season. Yeah. A lot of people didn't did. come back I, to it. I did too. I did come back to it, but we, we, we were slow on season one and season two was not a problem. Like not a problem. It yeah. Really see, I, I fell off in season one. Yeah. See. And, and it was when you guys started saying, you know, season two is really mm. good. And, and I, I actually said, is it? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what got me back into it. Mm-hmm. I got two words for you, and those words are Hober Mallow. Um, and, uh, and and that's a, that's a show where Apple spent a lot of money, and let me tell you, you can see it. It, it looks, looks great. Good. It is maybe so the best looking science fiction show ever made. Yes. I mean, I really? Put it up there. Maybe so? Yeah. It's like great even looking. even more than like the the Star Wars shows, and like it's really, they spent a lot of money, but it looks amazing. It looks like a sci-fi novel. Right, yeah, not like a sci-fi like movie or imagine, TV show, like, like what a you sci-fi imagine. novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, fantastic stuff. Yeah. So hard, highly recommended. Um, let's switch gears. I'm trying to think. There's a lot of things I liked. Um, um Dan's books. gonna pick Bargain Hunt for a, for a second pick. I'm gonna pick book. Doctor Pimple Popper. I picked all books, Jason. <laughs> all books. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep, books are great. Uh, I'm going to pick a book that was a bit of a departure for the author. Um, instead of focusing in sort of the traditional genres this author has worked in, uh, they decided to do something a little bit offbeat and they worked, you know, did something with sort of an unconventional narrator, uh, a mystery novel um, that was kind of a little bit of a different genre, a different experience. Uh, and that book is The Dog's Ear Detective by our pal Anthony Johnston. Oh, <laughs> yay. Um, it really, I love um, that book. really great. Like, Anthony, we all know Anthony. He's a lovely gentleman and he writes fantastic books. I loved his um, techno thriller books. The Bridge Sharp series is great. Um, but he decided to take a, a left turn into cozy mystery. And as with so many other things Anthony does, he totally nails it. I really enjoyed the first book, uh, which involves a basically a maybe not retired actress, but an actress who is sort of aged out of it seems like getting offered a lot of roles and and she's dealing with that, but she needs to find sort of gainful employment. She ends up being a dog, a dog sitter. uh, And of course she gets embroiled in a mystery and it's got all the like, like great, like British mystery hallmarks, like a country house estate. There's a wedding going on and mystery and then a, a death and there's the dogs are running around and there. Maybe the dogs are key to this whole mystery. Nothing bad happens to the dogs. Auntie will remind you. 
Um, and so all of that put together makes a delightful package. Um, I'm glad it has been a success because um, I really want to continue reading more. Uh, I have read the second book, which is coming out soon, and I can highly recommend it as well. And I look forward to the, I know he's signed up for a couple more. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to those as well. I'm Hopefully that series will continue for a good long while. So Dan, did um, you intentionally describe that in the exact same way I would describe All Souls Lost by Dan Morin? <laughs> Jason, I can neither confirm nor deny that. Uh, This circle of authors is getting a little too chummy, if you ask me. These these were both on my long list, if I had a long list. Nice. There's somebody who released Um, a book today. I want to join the circle. All right. David, David, you you, you always have a long list. David's life is a long list, okay? Yes, exactly. Takes one to know one, don't you think? A lot of us have probably read The Dog Sitter Detective. It's it's so much fun, and it's not just that we know Anthony. Like, it is so well done, and like the characters, the details of the the, of the main character and the predicament she's in in terms of her having lost a parent but having to deal with the estate and not having the money that she thought she had and her career issues as an older woman who's not getting the parts as an actor anymore and then also there is a crime at an estate and like that is a murder that she solves. And, so, you know, all that's happening. It's, it's great. I think it's tough to put together a good mystery and the hallmark of a really great mystery for when I'm reading one is when you get something like half a page before the reveal. Yeah. Because then you feel just clever enough about yourself. But also mm-hmm. you're like, you don't know. It doesn't. It's like you find it too early. That's boring. Like, yeah. oh, okay, I figured that was telegraphed so early. But when you're like just a second ahead, you're like, oh, oh, I see what's going to happen. And Anthony yeah. does that perfectly. He does. Um, so well, well done there. Um, and then for my third one, I'm going to throw out, um, I'm not always a person to adopt new games, especially on mobile. I struggled a lot with finding games on mobile that I enjoy. Um, and this year in particular, I found a new category of games I, I enjoy, or I guess I should say I found a new game of categories that I enjoy. Mm. I'm going to pick Connections, which is the New York Times, uh, their latest style of sort of puzzle, word puzzle, where you uh, get a grid of 16 words and you have to put them in four different categories. Yes. I know there's a popular British game show that also uses this oh, yes. format. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I just want to play the game. Um, I'm not going to get into an argument that, about that. That host but, doesn't know how to ride a bike. I know that for a fact. So. <laughs> she learned. Oh, yeah, okay. Now she knows. Now she knows. Um, but I really, I, that game has entered uh, daily play for me. I, I Every day. I don't miss it. Uh, but I, what I think what's kind of great about it is that it's also spawned a whole bunch of other sort of people making these style games, including two of our good friends, Lex Friedman and Tony Siddlar. Lex has been making one every day, I think, for the last several months. I think he just hit number 100. Um, and Tony's been making them for a while as well. I just, I enjoy this style of puzzle. It's exactly sort of what I need in the day for like, you know, it's something I can do in maybe five minutes or something like that. And just sort of, you know, makes me bend my brain in ways that are uh, fun and different. And so it, it goes in with like crosswords and Wordle and stuff like that, where I can just sort of go through my slew of puzzle styles and, and try a bunch of different things. And I really enjoy it. I think it's very well done. Um, the perfect sort of size uh, puzzle for me to do in a day. So uh, I'm a big fan of that style puzzles, and I'm glad to see that there are, you know, other sources that are, you know, not just New York Times making these, but other people are making them because they're just so f- enjoy how to put those puzzles together. So as someone who likes puzzles, uh, that's perfect for me. Nice. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Um, Shelly, it's your turn. What did you like in 2023? Well, aspirationally, I want to be mad at Chip because his first pick was what I would like to have picked had I seen any theater at all. So not being a person to make resolutions, my resolution for 2024 is to see some live theater. Mm. However, that leads me directly to my first pick, which truthfully, there were there were two in my head, two TV shows in my head, all throughout listening to these fine picks we've heard so far. And finally, I tipped over and the one I chose is relevant to the live theater conversation uh, because it brought me delight. It reminded me why I love theater, especially musical theater, why I love performers who, though they may end up on television, really find their home in the musical theater. Uh, and just the sort of the 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 gigantism and the outrageousness that musical theater provides when it's done well. Uh, and I'm so I'm going to pick season two. I'm going to be specific. Season two of Schmigadoon. Uh, this season of Schmigadoon, unlike the first, uh, it focused on much more urban and much more modern uh, Broadway shows to spoof and parody and show love for. And the, the premise is that our, our leading characters, Keegan-Michael Key and Cecily Strong, are trapped in, in a, a place that is like uh, the Chicago of the musical mm. Chicago. In fact, it's called Schmicago. But that is far from the only musical that's referenced. Oh, every single episode, every single scene is filled with so many theater references. It is impossible to get them all unless you're maybe David. He probably could get them all. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I miss a few. Uh, but in fact, there is a companion. The, the podcast that I found, it is not an official podcast, but it's uh, it's a, it actually, pardon me, it's a series of YouTube videos on on. Uh, uh, by uh, Broadway by Ghostlight, which is the uh, Schmigadoon breakdown. So you can watch this and go, oh my God, I didn't even see that. Some of it is very obvious. And what they do, there's six episodes, and each episode sort of tracks an era of musical theater. And it starts, though, in the 40s or 50s, really, and it goes all the way up through the modern times. And so you have parodies of everything from Hair to Jesus Christ Superstar to Sweeney Todd to, uh, I mean, just, just Chicago. So many. I can't even name them all. And so and they're so incredibly well done and funny. As I say, it's over the top. Uh, a lot of the actors from season one have reappeared as different characters, but there are new people as well. Titus Burgess, particularly as the narrator, the is delightful. So <laughs> He's so good. Jane Krakowski, oh my God. She's oh, just... you get to see Jane Krakowski doing her thing, yes. which you yes. never get to see anymore. I know, so good. And and it's just, if you if you, you have to, look for the Easter eggs and appreciate that they're there. And even if you're not a theater person who will who will see a lot of Easter eggs, if you sort of follow along, you'll enjoy the journey. And as I say, you'll get some musical theater history in the course of it. And I it's expected, because I watched the first season, and I know there were a lot of sort of, well, it's okay, but I thought it was going to be better for the first season. And so that's kind of where I went with the second season. I was like, I, this is my thing. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm probably going to enjoy it more than a lot of people, but still I'm not expecting greatness. 
but I was just bowled over. And I actually want to watch it again because I, I watched it before I watched the uh, the YouTube Broadway go- by Ghostlike breakdowns. And now that I've seen them, I kind of want to watch the videos again and have it remind me what I should be looking for. Uh, but <laughs> it's just, it's so much fun and so good. And I um, I really love Schmigadoon. Love it. Um, my second pick is uh, at some point in one of these, I always have to go back to uh, who I who I am, which is a person who lives in old movie world. However, I have chosen an old movie box set that was released this year. I did one of those last oh. year, but this is a different one. So I enjoy uh, Keena Lorber has been doing a lot of great re-releases. They don't do the super fan. They do Blu-rays, but they don't do the super fancy uh, projections like like Indicator or Criterion. Uh, but they're affordable, and so you end up getting either individuals uh, movies or small box sets, maybe three films, that are affordable. They're on Blu-ray. They look good. They're often 2K transfers. Uh, so it's not, you know, and, and sometimes they don't even have, you know, com- commentary. Sometimes they might have an older commentary or they might have just a couple of bonus features. But basically, if you're like me and you collect physical media and you want to see movies that have either not been out before or that are in better shape in this release than they have been before, uh, Kino Lorber is your friend. And I've been enjoying their film noir releases for a while. But this year, uh, the thing that was great, uh, that I enjoyed the most, was the Anime Wong box set. Anime Wong is an American actress of Chinese descent, uh, but she was in, she worked in the 20s, 30s, through, through the 60s. She died in the early 1960s. Uh, and she was always cast, of course, as a Chinese person, a character, and often stereotyped typical. If you watch her on screen, which is difficult to do because there are not a lot of her movies that have been available, which is why this box set is so great, because it's three movies in which she stars. And if you watch her on screen, she's really got an incredibly powerful presence. She's one of those great female stars of the 30s and 40s who you just find magnetic to watch, but there were very few opportunities to watch her. And frankly, she was in movies that weren't particularly great because the movies that she got to be the star of were pot boilers or were, you know, something terrible is going on in Chinatown and she's like Madame Somebody and, you know, is she a good person or is she a bad person? And these Kino Lorber movies themselves are not uh, are not separate from that. I mean, they're they're kind of mediocre films, but they are films that star anime Wong. And it's it's a great set. There's one called Island of Lost Souls. Let's see, where are the names? I can't find them. Uh, Island of Lost Souls, uh, down in it, Chinatown. Uh, uh, it's dangerous to know. Island Thank of you. Lost Men and King of Chinatown. Thank you. I was my windows were escaping me because I have lots of windows. Uh, and it's you know it's it's a nice set. It looks good. And you get to see her in the starring role. Is she a villain? Is she a good person? I leave it to you. Watch watch the movies and find out. Uh, thirdly, I I almost, in the spirit of Moises picking all of soccer, I almost picked the Apple Music algorithm because it's been good to me this year. <laughs> Uh, and people have lots of criticism of the Apple Music algorithm, but I have been nothing but happy with it. Uh, oddly, the musical item I'm going to pick is not something the algorithm found for me. It's something I kind of went and looked for because the algorithm finds for me the kind of rootsy Americana country folky stuff that I tend to like. And so there are a ton of great albums in those genres from 2023. And I could cheat and name them, but I won't. But, you know, you know where to find me if you want to know what they are, because there are a lot of them. But oddly, uh, the album that I liked the most this year and that I am I'm pleased to talk about is uh, Olivia Rodrigo's Guts. 
Yeah. She is so good. She's, I mean, it's either it's rock and roll, it's ballads, it's young woman who is having a relationship or hookup trouble or whatever. It's very frank and raw. And it's just, it's so well written. It's also funny. It's she she's a good writer oh, yeah. and she is aware of what she's doing. There are a lot of sort of self-serious younger artists. And so when they sing about things that are not relevant to my life, I'm not very interested in them because they seem to take themselves way too seriously. I don't feel like she does. I feel like she's just got this, you know, she 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 knows she she speaks a language of a certain uh, age range of person who is like going out and clubbing and figuring out how to deal with their exes and how people perceive them and in, in the world. Uh, but she is also winking at the listener, and she's also rocking hard. So uh, Olivia Rodrigo's guts, great record. And those are my three. Yeah, good. That's good stuff. I've been listening to that. Um, the last few weeks. Uh, Bad Idea Right, one of the songs of the year. Mm-hmm. Just amazing and hilarious. Great song. I, I am, I'm at that age where I am shocked, and I shouldn't be shocked, that somebody so young can be so smart. Um, she's just doing some incredible stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really and, so. And as long as, as long as we're mentioning Anna Mae Wong, there's a terrific biography of her that just came out this year called Daughter of the Dragon. Yes, uh, I need to read that. both... Uh, it talks about her film career, but also how hard it was for her to have the film right, career. Sure. And it is fascinating. I, I, um, th- it's great when you talk about these old movies, Shelley, you should do a podcast about it. Oh, wait, <laughs> you do. Uh-huh. You do. <laughs> a character based on anime Wong in Babylon. Oh, that's true. Oh, Bring it back around. I love it. Bring it back around. Uh, it's all connected, it. everybody. It's all connected people. The, the jigsaw is falling into place. Um, all right. Thank you, Shelly. Annette, what did you love in 2023? Okay. So if you listen to me long enough, I'm probably going to bring up a certain individual named Michael Sheen. I am a fan of his. And this year he was in a show with David Tennant called Good Omens. And I really liked season one, but I loved season two, because these two actors playing Aziraphale and Crawley, the demon and the angel who have, you know, supposed to be enemies, they become friends in season one. In season two, they kind of make this subtext, which we all read into it, uh, where we romantically link these two characters. They start to make it more text. And it was very exciting. And I think, I don't know, the whole season just felt a little more cohesive and funny. It had a lot of good romance and it really just, it made me very happy to watch these two actors who I think have great chemistry, whether or not it's romantic. I I enjoy watching them on screen together and it's entertaining. So that is my first pick for this um, year. for the people who are like, wait a second, how can there be a second season of Good Omens? The answer is that Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett had an idea for a second book and they never wrote it. And Terry Pratchett passed away. But Neil Gaiman was like, you know what? I could do that idea as another actually two seasons because they're going to do season three. Season two doesn't tell the whole story. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, it was delightful. Pretty convenient that this story, that idea that they had years ago, just happens to focus on David Tennant and Michael Sheen. Be a shame if their story idea were about the kids. Mm. Totally yeah, I mean, but I mean, those really are the characters in the first book, though. Anyway, and and he got John Finnamore, who is a terrific British comic writer, 
to uh, work on these two yes. seasons with him. Oh, very, very funny so writer. Good. Very funny writer. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Thank you, Annette. What's next? Uh, my next pick is the Barbie movie. Probably also not surprising to anyone. I left that for you on purpose, Annette. I thought Thank you. I was like, I feel like (laughs) Shelly is the most likely person to pick the Barbie movie. I enjoyed the movie itself. Uh, It was just a delightful uh, reenactment of everything I wanted from Barbie in my childhood and me as an adult woman. But I also feel what made it really impactful this year was watching it twice in the theater with all of these people who were just as excited about this movie as I was and to kind of like be part of the cultural phenomenon that is Barbie was just really fun. And people laughed in all the right places and, you know, teared up at all the right places. And it was just such a communal experience. And I think for the first time since COVID had that theater experience that I was really missing before that I'd been to a few movies and stuff, but to, to go to Barbie in the theater was amazing. And I also, you know, kind of enjoyed the fact that after all the Barbenheimer thing, Barbie just kicked Oppenheimer's butt in the box office and I felt really smug about it. So, because well, I'm not nice. I just wanted Barbie to win. Pick about a weirdo. <laughs> right? <laughs> Right, or you have Barbie, which was he, super fun. That, that, He's Kenuff. Okay? Also, 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 uh, Oppenheimer made almost a billion dollars at the box office too. Yeah. So, I it's mean, okay. I'm not feeling that bad. It's okay, everybody. <laughs> They're not in competition. They're not. In fact, they are in cooperation or whatever they call it. They uh, they help yeah. each other. Cooperation. That's right. But Barbenheimer wins 2023 is what we're knowing here. Uh, Barbenheimer. Probably, wins. yeah. True. My final pick is going to be something that is way different. And before I say that, I just want to shout out Glenn Fleischman for thinking that Terminator was not a thing I was going to like and pick on the time travel draft. I think of this all the time and it makes me laugh inside. So thank you, Glenn. It's still delightful. Uh, In a similar vein, I'm going to pick The Last of Us. Uh, That was a TV show that uh, was filmed in my province and in my city. And so I loved the show itself. I loved how it was uh, this great zombie. I know it's not like a zombie, but pretty much a zombie movie with so many feelings that like the episode um, with um, I'm totally blanking on his name with the two gay characters that Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. Thank you. And the like, yeah, that that was an incredible episode that you would not expect from that kind of show. I did not play the game. I've I've looked at nothing for season two because I don't want to know. So it was all new to me. But there was something also super cathartic about watching them blow up my legislative building with a government that I quite dislike existing inside right now. So just watching them blow that up deeply satisfying and i thoroughly enjoyed that nice great choice one definitely one of the tv shows of the year all right thank you annette david what do you have i have three things and a blurt um, okay which was also a good movie directed by leonard nimoy mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> i will start with uh a, a book it's a little a little obscure only because it's it's a first time author it's a first time imprint 
Um, but it's, it's a really interesting murder mystery set in New Orleans. Um, an amateur detective who happens to be a nun named Sister Holiday. Uh, and it's a book called Scorched Grace by Margot Duwahi. Du, no, Duwahi. I had to get that right because it's, it's an interesting spelling. And like all really good mysteries, um, it looks at the character as much as the mystery. Uh, we learn a lot about this nun and why she's a nun and uh, what she thinks of the Catholic Church today, which is kind of interesting because she is not the type of person you would expect, hey, she's going to go be a nun. And, and meanwhile, someone she knows is murdered. She is just compelled to try and solve this mystery. It's the first in a series, apparently, uh, but it's really good. So Scorched Grace by Margot Duwahi. Um, also on a mystery vein, um, there were a lot of really great shows this year. And, and people who listen to any of the incomparable shows know some of the shows we love. Um, you know, Star Trek, The Bear, they're all great. But the show that was like appointment TV for me at the beginning of the year was Poker Face. That was Ryan my Johnson. other choice. Mm -hmm. It was Schmigadoon or Poker Face. Right? Poker Face? Poker Face. I don't even know her On face. Peacock? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is the best, maybe the first variation on Columbo that had nothing to do with Columbo. It's a really smartly designed show. It's not just how's she going to get him. Um, it is how is she going to fit into the mystery? Because it is always, there's always something. And they're all really clever. It's so well done. Um, and I don't want to say anything else about it because it's just so good. And yes, I know it's been, been almost a year. And, you know, spoiler warnings, whatever. Just watch it. It's great. Another um, very heavy guest star show. If you like to see people pop up that are awesome from other places, Poker Face is a good one for that. And and not necessarily from TV shows, too. Um, interesting, interesting guest characters. Uh, my third thing is, yes, from 1967, uh, because while there were a lot of great TV shows this year, this is a show that I have heard about my entire life. I've always been curious about it. My mother told me about watching it, and it has never been available anywhere. It's never going to come out on DVD. Um, it's, but, but somehow, miraculously, all but one episode have shown up on YouTube. And it's, it's a show called He and She. It was on for one season. Uh, it starred Richard Benjamin and Paul Apprentice, who are one of those exceptions to the, the whole thing of married couples who act, who have no chemistry. Oh, they have chemistry to burn. And this show is kind of like the missing link in TV sitcom history. It, it comes after that whole realm of shows uh, that came out of your show of shows, like the Dick Van Dyke show and Andy Griffith show and you know all those things that led to that girl and further on. And then there's sort of like this weird gap in the, in the late 60s and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you have the Mary Tyler Moore show and the Bob Newhart show and these very witty, urbane, urban comedies. This is a show that would have fit in perfectly in that schedule. 
the conventional wisdom is that it didn't do well because it was paired with Green Acres. But I think that's wrong because they both have this weird, surreal, loopy sensibility. Um, I can't think of anything else on the 67 CBS schedule that it would have fit well with. Um, but it's just a delightful show. And is it perfect? No. Is it the greatest thing since sliced bread? No, but you can see the roots of the writers who would go on to create the Mary Tyler Moore show and the Dick Van Dyke or the Bob Newhart show and then Taxi and then Cheers and then Frasier. There's a direct lineage through all of these shows. And uh, you'll see a lot of tropes that became popular in these intelligent shows. If you watch Seinfeld or Mad About You, you'll recognize the, the skeleton of that in he and she. So it's, it's just fascinating. I've always been curious about it, and I discovered it this year, watched the whole thing. It's great fun. And uh, finally... Oh, my, blurt, blurt away. My blurt, my blurt. My favorite single word in all of television this year, Riker. Okay. Thank you for the blurt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to also mention that. So it's my, my turn and I will mention, I'm, I, this is the not pick pick. I'm, I'm not going to pick Star Trek Strange New Worlds, but uh, we talked about it a lot on various podcasts. It's great. It, it is. I, I can't believe that a, a start, like they got it. They figured out how to do a modern Star Trek show and have it, the appeal of the old show, but have it be new and modern and great cast and charismatic and good writing and taking chances and it just and to like, cross yeah. over with a cartoon. It, it's just wild. Uh, so many musical episode crossover with a cartoon, all sorts of stuff, but I'm not going to pick and, that. And they, they pulled it off. I'm going to pick this. See, now I'm breaking my own rules here, but it's the end. I can do that. Uh, here are my three things. Uh, You're the host. I, I am going Straight to come to jail. I don't care uh, that, uh, that Barbie made more money because they're all, uh, because Barbenheimer is a team. Best movie I saw this year was Oppenheimer. I, I am not, I don't, I, I frequently dislike Christopher Nolan's movies. This movie I thought was like exactly what Christopher Nolan is good at. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was an amazing work of art. I saw it in 70 millimeter, uh, really incredible. I, I just, you know, yeah, it's, it was great. It was, it, I, I walked out of the movie theater saying that is the best movie I've seen in a very long time. So very impressed by Oppenheimer. Just the flip side. Uh, we got Barbenheimer. It was the year of Barbenheimer. They're both in here. It's great. Um, Book-wise, uh, I, I had two books that I, I wanted to recommend. One of them I recommended, we actually talked about on a book club episode, which uh, is Mountain in the Sea by Ray Naylor. So I'm not going to mention, uh, I'm only going to mention that, but My Murder I wanted to talk about. Katie Williams wrote a book called My Murder that is being marketed as a, uh, I think, mainstream novel. Um, it's one of these mainstream novels that's a lie because it's science fiction and it's actually very competently done science fiction. I uh, I get that feeling when I read a science fiction novel sometimes that's, that's being marketed as mainstream of like, are, do they feel like they're slumming? Do they not? Do they not know the genre? That happens a lot, right? Where you see some literary fiction writer try to write science fiction, you're like, "Oh no, 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 no!" Like you're not aware that these are cliches, and everybody's already done this. That does not happen in this book. Every page I turn, where there was another little detail of the world of my murder, I I nodded and I was like, "Oh no, she gets it." It is it is elevator pitch wise, uh, a woman is murdered and resurrected and then tries to solve her murder. That's the elevator pitch. But it turns out she was killed by a serial killer and the other victims were also resurrected and they kind of 
have a club where they meet and talk, which is super weird. There's a weird virtual virtual reality world that is undergirding this kind of somewhat futuristic but somewhat modern um, world that it's set in. Uh, there is a, uh, a virtual reality game that is based on the serial killer and their murders, which is also super weird. And as she investigates her murder, as you might expect, there are some real twists about it because she doesn't remember her murder. She remembers a little bit before that when she, I guess her brain was backed up or something, but, but not, there are missing details. And when she starts to figure out what the details are, everything kind of starts to unravel. I thought it was really great because not only is it a pretty good uh, mystery story with a fun twist that it's her own murder that she's trying to solve, but Along the way, it talks about social media and uh, and how the internet affects people's relationships and how that might be extrapolated into the future with virtual reality. And like, there's lots of really good kind of meaty science fiction premises here that ultimately set up uh, the human story uh, and uh, of this character and the characters that are related to her. It just, I don't know. I thought it was really great and uh, not enough people are talking about my murder. So there it is, my murder. And um, my TV pick is going to be The Bear because yeah. season one of The Bear was great. Season two of The Bear, also great. Um, it, it is, uh, I just said this for another podcast, but I'll say it here too. It is not a show about a bear. It is not a show about nature. <laughs> it is not that movie that Leonardo DiCaprio was in where he fought a CGI bear. It's none of those things. There is a bear in the show in the first scene for a moment, but it's like a dream bear. And it's not about a bear. It's about a restaurant in Chicago. And the thing that I would say about it, and actually this is the thing that it's most, in some ways that it reminds me of Reservation Dogs, is it's a half hour show for the most part. It is a comedy, but also a drama. And both of those shows are about a group of people who are damaged by an event and actually a death that happens right before the show starts. And you may not even see the hole that it's left in people's lives right away. But as the show goes on, you see just how broken so many of these people are by what happened before the show started. And The Bear also is brilliant in that, like a great streaming TV show, they can just take episodes and say, this episode is going to be about this one side character and he's going to have an adventure and it's just about him. And he's going to go to another restaurant and have an epiphany and learn to be a better person. And then this person, we're going to send him to Copenhagen. And there's a whole episode where the baker goes to Copenhagen and I'm not being flippant here. It was my favorite episode of TV for the whole year. And then there's the episode everybody talks about where the that's like an hour long where the family has the most stressful Christmas dinner ever. Um, I found that episode stressful. It is very stressful. That's why I like the one the baker. The baker is good vibes. I, I say for, forks. Forks for me is maybe the best episode of television See, I've watched in like five years. Yeah, which for is me. the yeah yeah. It, it is so lots of, good. lots of really great episodes. If you have not seen the bear because you're thinking it's about a bear again, or it's like, I don't, what do I care about restaurants or just trust me here. There's all, it's not about a bear. It is great. And you should watch it. Um, it is, it is brilliantly done in season two is, was, I was so relieved because there's that, that season two thing, right? Where you're like, okay, can they do it again? And the answer is, yeah, they can. Yeah, they can. 
Also, the the music in it is bananas. The the musical choices, it's some of the best needle drops you will hear in a modern TV series. It's wild. Lots, lots of Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam. Yeah, but a lot of other stuff in there, too. It's really great. Great music in the bear. There's an R.E.M. song they never play fully, but just comes in briefly as a love theme in season two, yeah. and I love it so the much. The score of the bear often is that they just take a banger of a track and they just play it in the background. That's yeah. it. It's it's a very, very weird choice, but it's very specific to the bear. And I, There's a there's a, a deep, deep cut album track from Bruce Hornsby that's in one episode, and I'm like, <laughs> what are they doing here? And it's great. So like, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. It's wild. And like Reservation Dogs, it... It shows you a world that you you kind of assume you know, but you don't know it. And it is so authentic. And and like Reservation Dogs, it's made by people who have been in the restaurant industry. And it's just devastating and funny yeah. and weird. And I love it. And Ayo Edabiri as Sydney yeah. is a, oh, just a, it is a great, very specific performance, really great character. And in some ways, the anchor of the show, because she yeah. has a level of... I don't know. Um, sanity. Sanity is the word I was thinking of that many of the other characters lack. And it's really nice. She's like an injection of like, what are you doing in the show? Level-headedness. Yes. What, what this show is also amazing at, and the thing that I remark upon, is the ability to take characters that you, are, you might otherwise dismiss and think of as, oh God, that person is just terrible, or that person is useless. Um, and then give them a moment or like an episode or even a moment where you suddenly realize who like I'm thinking particularly of uh, Nat's Nat's husband who gets a scene in the last episode of season two, which is heartbreaking and amazing. And like a character who you would otherwise be like, this guy is a, a punchline in like every other appearance and incredible writing. Yeah, it really is. So that is the stuff we liked. 2023 there's some good stuff that was that was a that's a great list we compiled a fun list for people who are looking for things to consume in 2024 for your own list um now before we go we are I'm not going to blurt out other episodes but i did I, I i always ask the listeners to send in clips of things that they like during the year that we did um and if you are a an incomparable member you can do it in the in the members discord you just uh you can do a best slash best of and do it there Otherwise, you're going to have to find me on social media or something or send me an email. Um, I have seven clips to play, and so I'm going to play them now. Uh, we're going to start with something that Annette mentioned before, which was there was a moment um, in our time travel movies draft where Annette um, really surprised Glenn. Director, um, I never expected this was the film you were going to pick for the first I know, time. I know, right? Right? <laughs> That's a good one. I do have yeah. some romances, but uh, like, I mean, this, this is one hardcore. Like, this is absolutely a romance. So I'm it, not surprised. It is at absolutely. All. The entire yeah. plot is sort of set off by the romance, too. But yep. it's, of right? course, he was set, in, set from the future by the child that they then conceived in uh -huh. the past. Right. And it's a, the right. backbone of this whole movie is romance. It's all good. Right. What okay. I'm taking right. from this is that we should probably do an Agent of Smooch episode. About this. <laughs> I mean, that's I great. just I just checked. We've covered the Terminator three times on the network so far. You might as well make it four. So, yeah. yeah, we might do as well. It. Okay, challenge accepted. Okay, good. We're Excellent. doing yeah. a Terminator episode. Love, love in the Coming time soon. of Terminators. Uh, and you did, right, Annette? Uh, we did. Yep. Yep. Me, Erica, and uh, Deb. Terminator. about the Terminator. It's a romance. That's what, one of the things we learned this year. Thanks, Glenn, for pointing that out, right? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. we have to thank 
Glenn for that. Uh, I don't love having to thank Glenn, but there. <laughs> sometimes like you gotta. You there's there's an edge in your voice when you said thank you, Glenn. <laughs> Glenn. <laughs> well, I don't know. He, he knows what he did. I uh, I I love I love Glenn. We love Glenn. Um, here is one. This is from listener Lexi. Um, uh, she wrote in with incriminating evidence. Now Erica is not here. But we have this clip that is the incriminating evidence when um, we, we were talking about uh, things that people like and don't like. And Erica has opinions, including, as we know from a past episode, uh, that is considered for some by, by sickos a, a holiday classic, that our Christmas music episode, <laughs> oh boy. that Erica uh, despises and, and Stephen, her husband, loves the song Feliz Navidad. We have... Mm-hmm. Some evidence that things may be shifting, and 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 Lexi clipped it for us. I also have to bring up another um, example from member Lexi because she made me laugh. So it was one of the first ones that came in. It was so and good. This is a special one just for Erica. Oh, so there. The, her example is the incomparable's very own Erica Ensign and the Christmas song Feliz Navidad. Oh <laughs> Okay, I think we're only on the enemy stage so far, but give it time. (laughs) I don't think I posted it in the members Slack, but I think I posted maybe in the the host Slack last Christmas that I was to the point where I didn't mind it nearly as much. So we're we're on our way. So Lexi's going to win this one. I I will say I took a large drink of water right before you said that. And it really went very badly. It's hard not to love something when every time it comes on in the car, your spouse pulls a tiny maraca out of the <laughs> cigarette uh, lighter place and starts that does shaking feel like it to the special song. circumstances, right? I mean, yeah. yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, amazing! Yeah, first thing, thir- first thing he did when we got our new car was, okay, where can the tiny maraca go? And he found a perfect <laughs> for it, so we're good. The tiny maraca is working. It's working oh. its magic on Erica it's- very, very slowly. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, very slowly, Stephen's enthusiasm for Feliz Navidad is, ru- is rubbing off on Erica. Check back in. That was from Agents of Smooch 100. Check back in. Uh, it's turning from, you know, it's that classic romance arc, right, Annette, where they start out hating each other, but they end up loving each it's other in the end. enemies to lovers. Yeah. Yep. That's, That's how right. it goes. All right. Uh, well, let's stay on Erica for a moment since she's not here to defend herself, but this was set in by our most... Technically impressive fan and listener, listener Seb. Now, listener Seb is the one who did all the transcripts of, like, I, I can't even begin to explain how listener Seb has used various bits of technology to catalog the incomparable and other podcasts over the ages. But this one, I think, takes the cake. Anybody who listens to Random Pursuit on the game show will know that Erica has very strong opinions about <laughs> trivial pursuit <laughs> and what makes a good card and what makes a good set and what makes a bad set. And uh, we all know, like innately, that Erica has these opinions. It took listener Seb to point out uh, exactly what those opinions are, which was done with the form of a supercut. I'm going to play it for you now. Is the Friends, the TV series, trivia. Oh, okay. Yes. Which is my new least favorite card, 
of the game. <laughs> it's not tell, necessary. tell us why, Erica. Tell us why. Okay. It's actually my least favorite edition. I hate it. All right. That was, that was excellent. Yes. So, all right. Your six will be the last card on... Oh, my goodness. We have a six and a 12. So we get to start off with my least favorite edition. Sorry. My least favorite edition. And I rolled a 12 and got my <laughs> least favorite version. We also have the Trivial Pursuit Millennium Edition, the DVD Pop Culture Edition, and last we have my least favorite, the 20th Anniversary <laughs> Edition. All right. That is coming from... Ooh, 14. My my least favorite, the 20th anniversary Yay. edition. However, right. actually, you know, after after playing all these new ones, maybe this will cease to be my least favorite. All right. This is coming from the 20th anniversary edition of Trivial Pursuit. One of my least favorite editions of all time. One of my least favorites. Ooh. But what? Uh, <laughs> and it always will be. This is coming from the Trivial Pursuit 20th anniversary edition, which used to be my least favorite edition, but <gasps> others are, are definitely creeping up on it now. One of my least favorites. This is coming from the Trivial Pursuit 20th Anniversary Edition, <laughs> which was long my least favorite, but now I have so many and many of them are awful. <laughs> so, well, I didn't know that, so this remains my least favorite edition. This one might actually be my least favorite because TV sounds like it should be so fun, and this sucks. This is coming from the 20th Anniversary Edition, which used to be my least favorite edition. It used to be my least favorite edition, and then I got a bunch more editions and found out there's a ton of bad ones. No longer my least favorite. Uh, this one, we are starting off with one of my least favorite editions of all time. This used to be my least favorite. This one is coming from the Star Trek 50 Anniversary Edition, aka oh, no. I think my least favorite edition. These so, I have a theory, which is that Steven tucked a tiny maraca in the 20th anniversary edition. <laughs> I, that, that was a real uh, John John Oliver does the, and now this. Moment. Right. Yeah. I, right? I don't know that I've ever heard Erica so overwhelmingly powerfully negative about right? anything. And, and yet you can see her heart melting a little bit, well, or at least other things have ra- other rise. things are worse. Know, it yeah. rose up. I, I, feel, I feel like in, in, her, in her absence, like to be positive, I'm glad that the world... Uh, is truly catching up on stuff uh, the way that Erica has wanted people to catch up on suits for so long. Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like as much hate as she's put on the 20th anniversary edition, the incomparable uh, by way of Erica is fully responsible for suits becoming a massive global hit on Netflix. Step one, Erica (laughs) recommends it on the end of year edition. Step two, we reference that the following year. Step three, Netflix. Step four, profit. Um, for them, not for who? us. Not us. No, not yeah. us. Hey, are uh, we talking about profit? I love that show. Uh, he passed all right. He, he, he lives he, in a box. He, he slept in a box. <laughs> that's, that's what's going to be coming back in two years. So uh, this next clip was sent in by listener Stuart. Uh, it is from uh, the bootleg. Uh, he, he calls it Shelly Saves the Day. So, Shelly, get ready, because you're going to save the day at the end of this list. That sounds like an amazing movie from 1943. And also, you'll see see my my despair after many years of doing Robot or Not come up in this clip. Here it is. Hey, here's a hot take that will make everybody hate me, but I don't mean it. But I'm just going to say it, which is a chicken nugget sandwich. It's got bread on the outside, meat in the center. It's a sandwich. Mm. I was listening to people. Is that that what? So Does let me, that make let me fried say. chicken? I've decided chicken a sandwich. Uh, yeah, I, I've decided that whenever I hear people talk about this stuff, because it's been it's been like three hundred episodes of Robot or Not, everybody, we're so very <laughs> tired. Uh, I, I I was at uh, a it was actually at the curling club. And we were doing volunteer stuff, and uh, people at the next table were doing one of those things. Somebody was going off on, oh, I saw a video on YouTube or whatever about what is a sandwich. And he's like, this is soup, and this is a sandwich. It was all nonsense. And I and I did a little rant at our table that was like essentially everything is everything at that point. So 
So so I was like, beef jerky is a hot dog. Uh, Ice cream sandwich is a hot dog. Everything's a hot dog. Oh, man. Because I... I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> I like that the moment cereal Jason... is not soup. Okay, it's cereal <laughs> in milk. It's that, you could call it a nope. soup, but if somebody Cere- brings dissolved, cereal, if you order soup, if you order soup and somebody stew. brings you cereal, it is a cold stew. If you order no, stew and somebody it's... brings you cereal, you'll be like, "What is your problem?" That it's is my cereal. Wait, to hear the cereal like, and find out what milk. you're arguing about. Shelly, are it's... you there? I'm here. Oh, Shelly. Oh, thank God. Uh, see, Shelly was gone and we were waiting <laughs> That's for all her. I did. <laughs> and Shelly came back and I got to stop Sometimes talking about how everything is a hot dog. Although, I mean, and that's why I don't remember that at all no, because I wasn't there. You weren't there. We were we were killing time waiting for you to come back from the Superman Returns episode. And uh, and and I, I enjoy listening back to that because I, I kind of think maybe you should live your life like everything's a hot dog. I think maybe life is better that way. <laughs> Just like, is that thing a hot dog? Yeah, sure, it is. It's all a hot dog. Life is a hot dog. And I want to eat it all oh. night long. I always don't know. was Jason. I knew you were going there. Yeah, it had to be. It had to be said. All right, this is a really short one, but it's fun. Uh, from Game Show Two Hundred Five, where uh, where uh, talk turned ultimately to Monty. Actually, my first thought was fire, because you think like devil, demon, hot, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, Monty does think devil demon hot. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is almost yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. It, it's a variant of Monty's yeah. established, much loved catchphrase. Yeah. Devil demon hot. I just I thought that was a good, that was a cute little cute moment that came from listener Stephen. Uh, thank you for sending it in. Uh, while we're talking about Monty, uh, this might be so Steve's not here to do his unappreciated joke of the year i'm gonna say that this might be my favorite unappreciated joke of the year it came from the toy draft um and specifically what happened in the toy draft bootleg listener aj sent this in and it is a really great moment warner heisenberg dolls you touch them in the stomach and they say things i'm uncertain about that Uh, editor, please keep my joke in and delete David's. Thank you. Right. <laughs> um, just, just following up, uh, Stephen did indeed follow Marty's advice and keep Marty's joke in and remove David's and then also nice. remove that comment. And, and that made me howl laughing listening to the edit. Oh, yep. oh like it, it was beautiful. But listening to him say, editor keep my joke in lose david's joke and then and then honestly i didn't know what he did so i had to go back and check and indeed he, he followed monty's advice so this opens a pandora's box of people just giving steven orders during the podcast about what to do with the edit steven, steven this is gold order, it all dinner. In. yeah steven <laughs> insert nice things about the end of time I feel like there's a lot of pandering to Steven that already could make mm-hmm. a giant supercut. Yeah, I mean, there may be tiny maracas everywhere yes. in this episode, for all That's we right. know. Steven, I have tiny maracas. Please leave my joke in. Um, one, last, uh, one last clip, and this is from uh, listener Dr. Haas. She sent in a clip about how, um, <laughs> how I am a, quote, very polite host. Here it is. Um, do so I basically, like Jason, it? this is a great film, and yeah. you're wrong to dislike it. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, look, do I, I like I, it? I, I also I, can't I'm, say that I like it. 
I am a but I, you know, very polite it's... host, and I let yes. people say the things that they like, and and I and, and I think that's great. I think this is a very bad movie. Okay, <laughs> I think it's real bad. I don't think it's bad in context. I think that doesn't help. It's it's bad, real bad. Jason, have the argument on my field of play. This is a great movie in clip form. Yes. <laughs> I can go along with you there. No. No. No, he says no. That no. was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, by the way. That hot pits. Uh, very love those hot, hot pits. pits. Hot pits. Yeah. Good title. One Ooh, of the best titles of the year. And that was that was very much like at the end where we're all like, well, it, it, you know, here's what's redeeming about it is this and what's this about this. And I was like, no. No, no, no. The the no. only redeeming thing about Temple of Doom is that it led to us doing Howard the Duck. It did. It did. Yeah. And, and that At episode the same time, I hear too. hesitation in Jason's voice. Was it? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I mean no, I, actually, my hesitation was that I think that episode is also fun, even though I don't like that movie. Uh, but yeah. it did also, we then, yeah. we made a vow to do Howard the Duck and we did. And I've seen Howard the Duck again now for the first time since I saw it in the theater. And that was a, <sighs> yeah, that's a, thing that happened uh that was not on my favorites of the year howard the duck not on my favorites of the year that believe it it or not everybody brings us uh, well under the four hour mark that these episodes usually are to the end (laughs) of our year in review episode we are gonna go uh let me thank my panelists one last time moises chuyon thank you Thanks, Jason. I left various sports for everyone else, and Good. no one took them. Many sports are available. Chip Sutterth, uh, who took New York theater, uh, maybe not all of it, but a lot of it. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure. Monty Ashley, thank you. Babylon. Shakespeare. Dan Morin, thank you. 2024 is off to a great start. Oh, it's doing great. Doing great. Woo! Shelly Brisbane, thank you. If you need a day saved, I'm here for you. Annette Wierster, thank you. Thanks. I'm off to go watch the Barbie movie again. Terminator, totally a romance. Uh, David J. Lohr, thank uh-huh. you. My second favorite word in all of TV, moopsie. <laughs> also good. And thanks to everybody out there for listening. Uh, we appreciate you listening in uh, 2023 and hope you will join us for more in 2024. Now that it is 2024, we will see you in a little bit. Goodbye. So, Jason, this end of year best of thing, uh, we have so many years of lore and everything wrapped up in it. I feel like people what? need something Ever since of a that primer. radio theater, all what? the years since yeah. then. Everybody, everybody needs a, needs a primer uh, for, for how to survive this as a panelist, as a listener, whatever it is. So, just so that you know, every year of this is something of a selective sequel that we've been doing for something like 10 years or one bullet hole. The goal is always to avoid it feeling like a resurrected corpse, fleshy and gross. At worst, you'll think it was okay. The last thing you want is Jason chained to his desk, editing, shouting into his garage, the execution kills me! If we get this one wrong, it could be the penultimate weapon in our arsenal. A few rules of the road. Don't take the Soylent Factory tour, except in advance that, yeah, Fuchs is everyone's dad, and you will finish the night asking, this show was weird, right? 
And before we start, defragment your data and make sure you're ready for the monocle test. As, all, as long as you follow these guidelines, you have no reason to fear the bipedal murder robots. Tell you what, though, I'm going to marry that robot lady because she's the sum of all tildes. She has one uncanny plastic head. There's plenty of street parking on the Internet superhighway, so don't go having a crisis on infinite parkers. Then you ask yourself, what am I going to bring to the endless slumber party that exists nowhere in time? The one full of people who care about kaiju. It's a kind of breakfast club for superheroes, heroes I never heard of. And you want to come off cool because there could be some possibly shady goings on. So be a better Lando Calrissian. Everybody else, they're all messed up, too. I promise you cannot do more harm. And it's fine if you're obnoxiously vegan. If you get self-conscious, imagine that everyone else, you see, they're ducks. Look, no matter what, you know it's going to be a long Zoom with a magical NDA that's infested with love and too much monkey business, whether the memory cheats or not. And everybody there has read and lives the goth girl handbook. They can quote from the book of Bo-Katan. And at least a couple of folks have a cloud atlas of 12 monkeys. So watch out. You might find someone else to team up with short-selling magic crystals if you're lucky. It'll be replete with MacGuffins and mechanics, friendship and cinnamon rolls, so leave that sad banjo at home, but remember, have phaser will travel in any and all hot pits you may encounter. Because in a world where so many podcasters are as deep as a puddle, there's a lot of ocean in the incomparable. Fear not in the event things get really weird, because I know a lot of divers. In case you were worried about how to dress, fear not, princesses don't have to wear pink because... Royalty don't mess around, and pink magic, thanks to Annette, is everywhere. At the end of the night, you will muse, I guess I like people? And if anybody makes you feel old by mentioning something that came out before they were born, keep in mind, Max von Sydow was 44. That's it. That's all of them. Moises, <laughs> it was okay. Can you do a verse as Ken Nordine? Ha, 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 ha